0: Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 218 of All Booked Up, the Buffalo and Erie County Public Libraries podcast about books, movies, and all things pop culture. <laughs> oh I am your boy. host, Michelle Smith.
1: I am Jacob Merica. We're off to a great start here.
0: This uh, <laughs> just that kind of day.
1: We switch our recording day a little bit, and we can't even get through the opening.
0: It's isn't? true. So, Jacob, what I want to ask you this morning... What song did you listen to on the way to work? Did you listen to anything? Did you have anything on?
1: No, I was listening to uh, WGR, and they were reveling in the fact that the Pittsburgh Penguins are going to be terrible for the next couple of years, and we're going to be good. And I agree with them. I'm, I'm kind of happy about that. It sounds
0: like, a, a, a horrible way to start the day, and B, that doesn't fit into our playing, podcast episodes at all.
1: I played Resident Evil 4 before that. One. I
0: don't... I thought you would just, you know, think of a song because of our... Episode. I well, of course get I get him. Yeah, yeah,
1: Ding Dong was the last song I listened to, I think. <laughs> I mean, so it's always I a fan of that one. Hate
0: asking you anything. <laughs> you know what song? Do you remember that song? Well, you're younger than me, but it yeah, from by by like by six months. By Katie Lang called Constant Craving.
1: Oh, I do. So
0: I hated that song when I was young. Like every time it would come on, I was like, this is garbage. It came on my radio yesterday and I listened to it and I was like, this is a really well-produced song. Like whoever structured it I was like there's really great octave changes there's some acapella someone threw accordion in and it works there's really good harmonies I was like oh wow you just get older and
1: you know what um you know what that song, actually, for me, my memories, it's kind of like, uh, you remember those old music compilation CDs? They would sell at like 2 in the morning, and they would be like, hey, "Oh yeah, Black Velvet by Elizabeth. Yes. That's where I remember hearing that song a lot.
0: I feel like all of those songs, though, were so good in a terrible way. Yeah, I was like, oh,
1: here's Constant <laughs> Craving, and then all of a sudden it's like,
0: Black Velvet in that little boy smile. I like that song. I know, so. I do. It, it comes stuck on the radio, in and you're like, okay. It, yeah. t- <laughs>
1: it takes you back to a younger day where you're just watching broadcast TV at 2 in the morning. And I
0: wanted those, like the power ballad CD would come on, and I was like, I want that. Yeah, it's
1: like, don't
0: know what you got.
1: <laughs> we're singing. We're talking about the, old CDs. Good the
0: morning. good old days. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I brought it up because we're going to talk today about music mm-hmm. in, uh, in our ears, in books, sort of on our TV. Because I'm sure most people know in 2019, Taylor Jenkins Reid just stomped all over The field of publishing, she came out with her wildly popular rock and roll novel, Daisy Jones and the Six. Um,
1: Which I think is a TV show now.
0: Well, yes. The long-awaited TV adaptation was released. It came out last March 3rd on Amazon Prime. And I'll say that critics weren't super in love with it, but that fans absolutely were.
1: Did they? I didn't. Yeah, I, I knew it was on there. It's one of those things that sits on my prime and I'm like, maybe I'll get around to that.
0: So I loved the book. The book is a total blast um which I'm going to talk about in a minute and the show was just fun oh, okay but, like critics sometimes it's like we're not always looking for things that are going to like Change us Ooh. as people. Sometimes I just want to come home and be lightly entertained.
1: Well, look who you're talking to. You, I'm a kind <laughs> yeah, of that's... light-hearted. This yeah. doesn't, this doesn't matter. TV and movies.
0: Yeah, and Riley Keog, um oh, she well, was, is, she Elvis was is great. Isn't it? Yeah, she has a great voice. And Sam Claffin was in it. They had really good chemistry. And it's like if you want to pretend that you're watching Stevie Nicks and Lindsey Buckingham, but like their private lives, you can scratch that itch with this show.
1: Okay, that's interesting. I don't know if I don't know if I want to watch that, but I, I know it will be interesting to see from afar. That's oh,
0: I'm, I'm into it. So, Stevie
1: Nicks walking around, spinning around. And, with her
0: little, like, yeah. her little robes and her feathers, whatever L- the heck Lindsay she's got Lindsey Buckingham
1: on. sitting there angry that he's got such a weird name.
0: <laughs> but what a guitar player. Oh, can't um, argue that. So today we've gathered here um, a list of novels that have a real musical heart to them uh so these books they may feature musicians maybe technicians bands fans i mean they're all over the place but we're going to stick strictly with fiction books but i think there could be a future episode with maybe some nonfiction or some biographies of musical people
1: oh i like that idea you know i'm always a fan of these musical books because a lot of them have really interesting uh stories some horrific some actually like inspiring
0: (laughs) yes it, all all of that. It's
1: also interesting if you get like an artist who, you know, is like I was inspired by this and you get some that's like I don't know where it came from. I was sitting around being drunk one day and I'm like I wrote this great riff and I just went off of that. Yeah, I
0: kind of I kind of love that. I mean, it's always fascinating because music is, you know, the universal language, so they say, which I definitely agree with. I think mm-hmm. everyone can relate to music in their own way. I mean, even aliens did in Close Encounters.
1: That's true. They did their three. That was tones. a
0: documentary,
1: right? So <laughs> I actually had a thought. I've noticed Do you have the same idea that like in most big-time bands, there's only like one or two members that's the actual like quote-unquote musical genius, and then the rest of the guys are either there or they just kind of like accompany what the other. Regardless
0: guy does. of if they're genius, Andrew and I were discussing that this morning. Where I'm like, but you can't name all the people in the band. Like you yeah. usually can name like the top people.
1: Yeah, it's like Metallica, for instance. It's obviously a Lars and James band, and Absolutely. then Kirk Con- is like. Just on the side, and the basis doesn't even matter.
0: It's all. It's it's very very interesting. So hopefully people will. I think these some of these books I've read. Some sound really awesome. Um, yeah. Like you read some books, Music. man.
1: Well, listen, read these books while you have Eddie and the Cruisers in the background. You're gonna have the best of both worlds.
0: <laughs> That's true. So I'm gonna start with Daisy Jones and the Six by Taylor Jenkins Read. If you haven't read it, you're one of the few because over a million copies of this book sold.
1: I hear that has a new show on Amazon Prime.
0: <laughs> wow, it's going back in time here. <laughs> so in the story, it's. For a while, we have Daisy Jones and the Six, and like they are everywhere as a band. Their album albums are on every turntable. They've sold out arenas from coast to coast, and their sound is really defining an era. And then on July twelfth, nineteen seventy nine, they just split up, and no one ever knew why. Until now, so this book, when you read it, it's like watching a VH1 behind the music episode. Um, I miss that show so much. Oh my gosh, that's what that's what I loved about the book. I was like, oh my god, I really feel like I am. Remember,
1: so remember VH1, everybody? Wow, there's a blast from the I past. know.
0: They talk about how the people in the band, you know, there were some lovers, friends, there were brothers, they were rivals, and it, it kind of was like they couldn't believe their luck until it ran out. And it's the story of their early days and like the wild nights that they had, and they all kind of remember the truth like a little bit differently, which I think that, makes sense. That's always
1: fun to read. It's like that, uh, what's that, Yojimbo um, story, the Kurosawa movie, where it's like, oh, we got the same story, but from a d- bunch of different perspectives.
0: Absolutely. Truth everyone, is somewhere in the middle. yeah. And it's just, it's such a fun, the book is so fun, it's told like, it's just broken down like interviews, so it's like this person's talking, this person's talking, this person's talking, and then they kind of compare things, so check out the book and if you love it, I think you will enjoy the show because it's just a good little time.
1: Yeah, exactly, Prime does Good shows most of the time on, you know, if you ask people anything not related to Lord of the Rings, they're usually uh, that pretty good. That Lord
0: of the Rings show, P.S., was wonderful.
1: I agree. I like that show. And when I, and I
0: watched it, and we were like, wait, why is everyone complaining about this show? It was really good. I
1: think it was because it came out at the same time as Ho- House of the Dragon, and House of the Dragon was better. So I think that's the problem.
0: It was better, but it was also very, very different. Oh, I,
1: you <laughs> couldn't have two more different shows than House no. of the Dragon. Uh, yeah, so, you know, go go check out book adaptations, everybody. They're always fun.
0: All right, what you got for us?
1: So actually, you know, the next one, um, part, first part of a trilogy, it's going to be a couple of mine, actually. Uh, Visit from the Goon Squad by Jennifer Egan. It's like one of those Christopher Nolan-esque books where there's a bunch <laughs> of different stories going on, and then they all kind of lap against each other.
0: People really loved that book. And I think the second one,
1: yeah. Have they come out with all? I assume they came out with three. It's usually no, there's not a
0: third yet. Well,
1: um, there will be eventually. Um, but yeah, it's basically like an internet interlocking things about these two, um, artists, uh, Benny and Sasha. Um, basically, they're just having living their musical lives, they're having all these adventures going on. There's kind of like not necessarily mysticism going on, but they just having like their own little musical adventures, and then as you go through it. It's kind of like an interplay of time and music. There's like survival, um, like how you do one thing. It's like a butterfly effect as well. So like you do one little action okay. and it sets like a path down for everybody that is just, you can't even stop no matter how much you want to try it. It's I don't want to give too much away about it because, you know, it kind of ruins it when they have these interlocking narratives if you kind of explain like how everybody matches up and what's the whole thing. Yeah, that's true. Thing. So it's just it's another one of those ones that if it gets popular enough, or the series gets big enough, or they swing back around to when they had that YA craze where everything mm-hmm. that was a YA book was getting made into a movie, I think this would be a pretty good one. But, you know, if you're looking for one that's... It's
0: of th- not a YA book.
1: Well, that, that's right. I just mean for, like, musical books. Oh, okay. Like, when they make one, it gives a hit. So if that, um, the, um, the one with the six is a hit, and then they decide, we need more like this. This would be a good option for that. Yeah,
0: I know that book was really, people were really split with, they either really liked it or really disliked it. Yeah. That, so I've always wondered about like, it. Like, when
1: I was looking it up, that seems to be like what people were about. They're like, mm-hmm. either really liked it or didn't. It's kind of like uh, Cloud Atlas, too, was like that, where people were yeah, really that. into it or they just didn't care. So,
0: you know, All right. go check it out, everyone. Someone let us know if it was good or not. Uh, I want to talk about the book Bel Canto by Anne Patchett. Um, every, people love Anne. She's been around for a long time. Oh, my God, yeah. This book has been very beloved. So it's somewhere in South America at the home of the country's vice president. There is a lavish birthday party, and it's being held in honor of this powerful businessman, Mr. Hosokawa. So then we have Roxanne Koss. She is opera's most revered soprano. And she has just mesmerized all of these international guests with her singing. And it's just like a perfect evening Mm. until a gun-wielding terrorist takes the entire party hostage.
1: Nice. Good times.
0: So what begins, though, what's weird about it is kind of this like panicked, life-threatening scenario slowly evolves into something really different. Mm. And it's like a moment of great beauty which is kind of hard okay. to explain, is like the terrorists and the hostages forge this, like these unexpected bonds and people from different continents are kind of becoming compatriots and intimate friends, possibly okay. lovers. So it, it kind of takes you somewhere that you didn't think it was going to, but it really is focused about the music as well. It's that book has been on people's lists for a really long time. It's, so
1: it's always interesting and they start out with like this, like musical, like, outline and then they turn into like there's a hostage negotiations and terrorism that. going on. And that
0: keeps it interesting. it's so
1: fun how they like some of the authors actually mix that all up, man. Like Yeah, sure. It's almost like writing is hard and if you're good at it, it's uh <laughs> something to be applauded.
0: <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> all right, so I'm gonna go with uh Reservation Blues by Sherman Alexi.
0: Oh I love Sherman Alexie. I right.
1: I am not too familiar with his work to be honest with you. Oh like I don't know what you kind never read
0: diaries of a part time Indian?
1: No, Crazy. I feel I feel like I'm gonna be put on timeout for that. But no, you really I ought to be. So uh, this one involves the uh, life of Spokane, Indian Thomas builds the fire. Um so his life changes when he runs into uh, legendary blues guitarist Robert Johnson. If you know the story yeah, of Robert yeah. Johnson, you'd know I assume what this that
0: is post after the devil. <laughs> yeah, post okay. devil,
1: yeah. So he um all of a sudden Johnson appears on the reservation and grants his uh, mystical guitar to <gasps> this fella. So, if you know what's going on there, it's kind of a double-edged oh. sword. So, he forms a band, um, Coyote Springs, which is an all-Indian Catholic band, and then all of a sudden, they find themselves on tour, and all, before you know it, they're one of the biggest bands around. Okay. It may or may not have something to do with that devil-laced guitar that he's playing around. Um, and then, it takes him on a journey, like, not only the heights of fame, but it also makes him, like, get into their own, um, like, bodies and souls, and to, like... Um, you know, going to the depths of who they actually are and what their whole lives okay. are meant to be. So, you know, the Robert Johnson tale is a very fun little old-timey myth that yeah. goes around. Um, but, yeah, if you want to see, read a book about, you know, the price of fame, and possibly what it could cost to actually get there, and what it could do to change you, and all that. This might be a good little, uh, okay. good one. To check out.
0: Okay, that sounds fun. Like I said, he's really great. So, because it's funny, you mentioned Cloud Atlas. I am going to talk about a book by David Mitchell, which is Utopia Avenue. Okay. Um, and I would say like Utopia Avenue is the strangest British band that you've never heard of kind of the premise of the book so they are emerging from london's psychedelic scene in 1967 and they are fronted by folk singer elf holloway and then we have a guitar demigod jasper de zoet great name um, we have the blues bassist dean moss and their band utopia avenue released only two lps during its brief and blazing journey from soho to ballrooms to just you know top of the chart success um and then they were really famous in Amsterdam and then prison in Rome Uh Uh uh-oh and then this really fateful American fortnight into the autumn of 1968 so it's really the like a story of the band but like the rise of music and then what is going on at the time like the the riots in the streets and the revolutions that are going on like inside of people's heads and all of the things involved with that the the drugs the love the sex the death the art um, the, the families that we choose you know yeah. and the people that we don't and just the idea of fame in stardom and is that everything that we think it will be you um, The idea of like, can we change the world in turbulent times or does the world just change us?
1: Oh, man, you read stuff like that, like, you ever wonder if you were born in the wrong generation sometimes? I You're think like,
0: everybody that, thinks that. That sounds
1: like a really good time, I got to admit, like, all that kind of stuff.
0: I know. To 1440s, us. that was for me.
1: All about the 1440s, <laughs> man. <laughs> Give me a Puritan hat and I'll be dancing. <laughs> well, I guess, actually, I would have been bounding around a forest without any music at all.
0: I'm nowhere before hot showers existed. That's, That's a good point. I just scratch it right <laughs> off my list. I like
1: how hot showers is, like, not... not plumbing or anything it's hot showers it's really the
0: hot showers i can go in the bathroom outside don't love it can do it i need i need a hot shower
1: making a game out of throwing it out the window and seeing who it hits in the morning like
0: disgusting london gross what else
1: (laughs) all right so the next one i got is kill your friends by john niven London 1997. New labor is sweeping into power and Britpop is at its top. Sure was. I know, right? Like Robbie Williams living his best life at that point. Um, So an A&R man, Fox, is going through the music industry. um, And all of a sudden, he's right at the top of this change. Like he's one of those P&R guys that um, is basically like leading this revolution. Mm -hmm. He's just all kinds of in the middle of it. So so, um, fueled by like... The inhuman qualities of like they're going on. Drug benders, like you said, there's another sex bender. Seems to have a lot of stuff to do with um, music. I don't right. know. Like right. it it's kind of weird how the two <laughs> go together. Um, so they're just riding this immense wave until eventually uh, the music industry sort of changes and all of a sudden what they're doing, what they do isn't it anymore. And it's hard. What was it they don't understand? They're having that whole like that whole little uh Simpsons. Uh, I was gonna quandary. say,
0: yeah, it's Skinner. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was trying to remember who it was. Like yeah. what I liked isn't it and what I'm oh the Grandpa Simpson actually is who did
0: that. Oh, one. that line. Um
1: so it's like a dark satirical um look at the record industry and how people go from like the heights of it to uh, the depths, and if you're not able to change, you're kind of left behind. And how do you deal with that? And
0: they always find bands. They find like singles, and then it's like a band is supposed to survive on like their one hit, as opposed to like judging a whole record.
1: Yeah. Well, Sugar Ray that did was, it for years. I
0: mean, yeah, <laughs> that was big in the '90s. I, yeah,
1: it's fun. Yeah. Oh my God! Like you, there's still bands out here. Like you know, f- got fastball touring every once in a while at yeah. like your local like dive bar, and they're still like, hey, here's the way, everybody.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's very like, interesting.
1: Fun. Like it's. Sometimes eventually just give it up, guys. Like, live off the royalties and just go do something
0: else. Like, you'll be happier. I'm looking at you, offspring. Um, Okay, so this book has been on my to-read list, and I just bumped it up after I was checking out these novels. And it's called Mary Jane by Jessica Anya Blau. So this is 1970s Baltimore. Uh, Mary Jane is a 14 year old girl. She loves cooking with her mother. She loves singing in the church choir. Sure. She enjoys her family's subscription to the Broadway show's tune of the month record club oh okay Sweet little girl yes. she Oklahoma is for 12 <laughs> month she's shy and quiet and bookish and she is really glad when she lands a job in the summer as a nanny for the daughter of a local doctor and this is a really respectable job her mom says it's in a respectable house everyone is really happy respectable respectable you got it and while this house looks very respectable on the outside inside it is a literal and a figurative mess There's clutter on every surface, there's old food, there's takeout containers laying around. And what is even more troublesome, which her mother did not know, is that the doctor is a psychiatrist who has cleared his summer for one important job, which is helping a famous rock star dry out. And a week after Mary Jane starts, the rock star and his movie star wife move in to the doctor's house. So over the course of this summer, she is kind of introducing this new household to, like, the joys of crisply ironed clothing and a family dinner schedule. And she has a front-row seat to the liberal world of sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And it's about her journey being caught between these two lifestyles, you know, one that she's always known and the future that she's only just realizing is possible mm-hmm. and kind of always awesome-looking when you're hanging around, like, well, you're yeah, rich mean... and the famous. Um, and it's about, like, the ideas that she comes to of what she actually wants out of life and what kind of person she's going to be. Well, there's like
1: a reverse Laurel Canyon kind of vibe going on with that one.
0: I don't know Laurel Canyon. Oh, it's
1: a that's an interesting movie and series. We'll discuss it off. You might actually okay. enjoy that one. But um, yeah,
0: Mary Jane sounds great, so check out that one. I
1: thought for sure that that was like a Rick James written or like adjacent book. As soon as you started talking about it, I'm like, oh boy, local boy coming into this <laughs> No. Oh, He actually just had his autobiography. I don't know if it, a new one came out or something, but he had like a... Couple of books. Come he out, wrote a it?
0: book, and it's just been sitting for that long. Well,
1: you, I mean, he wrote it recently. You know, Rick James. You can't keep him down. No, but I've like. I it's, was like. For some um. reason, I've been like. Just, like, seeing much of his stuff, like, on TV and everything. Like, there's, like, a Rick James resurgence. Well, they
0: always do hold on to stuff, weirdly, for weird amounts of time.
1: Yeah. Did you you ever hear about, like, how much him and Prince hated each other? No. Oh, my God. So much. So, so much. They were, like, buying out tickets to each other's concerts, (laughs) like, so that they would have big empty sections and, like, they would... Oh,
0: 50 Cent did that to someone. Did he really? Oh. Oh, it makes me so mad that I can't think who it is that he hates but it was like jaw Rule or some, someone done like that. But yeah, he bought out like you know the what? first four rows so then no one would
1: <laughs> I respect. I know he's bankrupt now, but I respect that you went bankrupt <laughs> doing that kind of stuff. Like that's going to be a story that's going to live forever. It's
0: so petty. So, so petty. It's so petty, but it's, also hilarious.
1: Yeah, it's great. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to like book you on a show and then I'm going to not sell any yeah. tickets. So you just get to play in front of an empty crowd and I'm going to leak it to TMZ. Right,
0: what else you got?
1: <laughs> All right. So uh, let's go with another book trilogy. Uh, the Commitments by Roddy Dowell okay. or Doyle. I'm sorry. Jeez. I got to get my, the Irish ba- um, last names going here. Um, so yeah, this one is a, a novel that traces the short, funny, and furious career of a group of working class Irish kids who form a band. And that's pretty much it. It's basically the Irish Beatles, and it's basically, this is the beginning of their rise. I love
0: it. I love the um, Irish Beatles. <laughs>
1: their original mission to bring soul to Dublin, which, you know, that's it seems like a place that could use it. Um, notoriously bad dancers over there in Ireland, um, except for the Michael Flatley style. <laughs>
0: I don't even know what you're talking about. Okay.
1: The river dancing, remember? No, that? I know
0: that. I don't know about notoriously bad dancing. Well, you know. Excuse me, I'm Irish. I dance like the wind.
1: Don't only, even worry well, about it. It's only it. when you get the you get the the beer flowing. Then it's when the, the feet start <laughs> moving, let me tell you. Um, but yeah, it's basically, it's Irish Beatles kind of deal. And it's okay. the beginning of their rise. And it's a trilogy. So you know, you're not going to read this book, love it, and then... To we're gonna like get more stories
0: so there must be a lot of story in it if we're. Yeah it's not like
1: um, what's that uh, fantasy book that you love that the author is never releasing that third book for Name of the wind oh <sighs> see so yes. yeah, I just ruined Michelle's. You day. just
0: ruined my dad's day who's li- who'll be listening to this he's like, yeah, okay he wrote two of the best books ever <laughs> and he's never gonna finish the story and that's that.
1: No, wait, wait, wait. He, him and George R. Martin are furiously typing away on the latest chapters of their books. You
0: really just put me in a real in a real funk. <laughs> We're moving on. I can't talk they're about it. They're just
1: about a month away and they'll be ready, stop guys.
0: Stop it. Stop stop <laughs> tormenting me. Okay, so this book is very interesting. This is a song for a new day by Sarah Pinsker, and this is interesting because it's a science fiction novel and it's about how public gatherings are illegal making concerts impossible except for people who are willing to break the law for the love of music. So in the, I'm going to say quote, before, when the government didn't prohibit large public gatherings, um, Luke Cannon was on top of the world. One of her songs had just taken off and she's on her way to becoming a star. Now in the after, there were terrorist attacks and deadly viruses had led the government to ban concerts. Sound familiar when you can't get all together in a group? And this connection to the world, her music, her purpose is now closed off forever. So she's going to do what she has to do, which is to perform illegal concerts to a very small but passionate community who are evading the law. So we're into speakeasies (laughs) for music here. And now we have Rosemary Laws, and she barely remembers the before times. So she spends her days in hood space, which is helping customers order all of their goods online for drone delivery because no one's going out in the world. There's of no course. physical contact. No humans are needed. This
1: is really sounding me. I know in
0: a scary way. But by lucky chance, she finds a new job and a new calling, which is discovering amazing musicians to bring their concerts to everyone via virtual reality. The only catch mm. is that she'll have to do something she's never done before mm. in her young life, which is go out in public. You know, so find the illegal concerts and then bring those musicians into the limelight, you know, like they deserve to do these online concerts. But of course, it's one of those when you go out into the world and you're at these shows and you see how the world could be. She's probably going to realize, like, this is not enough to just everyone being indoors and mm-hmm. watching things online. So this is a, is a real book for our time, yeah. a song for a new day. That was definitely so on my list. That was
1: so weird. When we were finally like coming out of the whole lockdown everyday thing, and like you're walking into reality again and going out to places, and it's
0: you're... so bright. Yeah, it's like,
1: what is all this? I don't want to touch anything. Is it safe?
0: What's going on? I know craziness. What
1: are these places that I'm walking into? The stores? What are stores? I'm just on my phone? Is that the same thing?
0: You got another one for I,
1: us? I do. Oh, uh, good. Wh- White Tears by Harry Kunzuru. White
0: Tears, oh, solid title. I, sorry
1: for na- messing up the name there. Um, so we got like another ghost story, murder mystery, which Ooh. I'm always a fan
0: ghost of. Ghost story, murder mystery music book? Love it. That's what I'm
1: saying, man. So it's a tale of two 20-something New Yorkers, Seth and Carter. Um, they have one thing in common, and that is their obsession with music. Um, you know, Seth is more of a future guy in music, but Carter's more of a you know, slip in the past kind of deal. So one day, Seth um, accidentally records an unknown singer in a park, sends it over the Internet, claiming it's a long-lost 20s blues musician um, by a musician called Charlie Shaw, which is the name of the guy in the park. Mm -hmm. Um, When they put that out, all of a sudden, an old collector contacts them to say that their fake record and their fake uh, singer, that's actually a real dude. Um, But, you know, then it's kind of like that guy kind of disappeared in the 1920s, so they don't really know why he's all of a sudden doing all this music now in the modern day so mm. these two kind of start spiraling down um a whole so rabbit he's not hole.
0: real but maybe he is real yeah, they yeah. made him up but he actually yeah maybe so existed. It's, it's a fun okay. little
1: combination there so then it just kind of sends these two um kind of spiraling down a history of like greed and oppression and envy revenge exploitation in the music industry jeez Dang. that doesn't sound, i'm sure that's <laughs> got to be over by now um but yeah it's kind of like just a love letter to some of like the forgotten and lost artists um, throughout history, and why they might have gotten lost, or um, the reasons that they not like their music's not more appreciated nowadays. Throwing in with some uh, ghost murder mysteries, sure. which are always fun. It to, was uh, check interesting.
0: Out. I just went a couple weeks ago to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and you know, so many of the artists that really created the styles of music and brought it that have just been relegated to the sidelines. While well, yeah, I mean, and. I, the, like every single one of them, except maybe two, were black people. Um, and it was really interesting to see. Like this is where all these sounds started, and y- then you
1: got three floors dedicated to Elvis, and then the people who actually wrote the music that he covered, because most of his stuff was cover songs. Almost but. all of
0: his songs that were covered. At least he loved that music, like
1: and acknowledged it. He never kind of lied about he it. He
0: didn't, and you know he hung out in the areas and where this music was going on all the time. It was what he loved, so it's what he played. And, mm-hmm. I mean, I've kind of come to terms with him There's other prob- a little more. There's
1: other problems with Elvis that are way worse than his musical choice. Because, again, you know, ultimately, if the people at the time didn't care and the writers didn't care and he they were fine with it and he yeah, acknowledged it. Yeah, I'm sure it, they cared somewhat, it, it, though,
0: when he was becoming a millionaire. Well, <laughs> I'm
1: sure they, ma- they didn't like that. But, you know, it's not like he was saying, oh, I wrote all these songs, everybody. These are all original ones.
0: Yes, it's true.
1: Wasn't doing that, so... Yeah.
0: To check out. They weren't listening anyway because he was just <laughs> shaking his, his little legs. I'm going to do one more before we wrap up here. Right. Um, This is The Songbook of Benny Lament by Amy Harmon. This takes place in New York in 1960. We've got Benny Lament. You know, music is this dude's entire life. With his father's deep ties to the mob... This Bronx piano man has learned that love and family can get you into trouble, so he really keeps to himself. He writes his songs. He writes songs for other musicians. He kind of avoids the spotlight until the night his father brings him to see Esther Mine sing. Great name. Now we got Esther. She's petite powerhouse with a gorgeous voice, and Benny writes a hit song and performs it with her, and then their collaboration really thrusts them onto the national stage which would be great, except that it's, it stirs up old issues and new scrutiny that the mob of
1: course. and Always Benny
0: would rather avoid. So it would be a good idea at this point for Benny to walk away, but the music and the woman um, is too hard for this piano man <laughs> to resist. I get it, dude. I get it. Yeah. So And people are really, really into it. So it's kind of the decision of, oh, people really love what we're doing and this music that we're making, but... Some people aren't really ready yeah, there's for There's a whole thing about the
1: mafia is going to probably try to kill me, so that's not good either.
0: Yeah, so there's a whole thing there. So we, we get like a musical action book. So I wish we had more time because I have a lot more books, but as sadly. Al- as
1: always, we always run out of time. We're always running
0: out of time. But I'm going to do something different before we do our facts today. I'm going to do one fact first before okay. you plug us up. a pre-fact. <laughs> it's a pre-fact. So in 2015, a Canadian astronaut named Chris Hadfield released his first album which was entirely recorded while he was in orbit so not only was he the first Canadian to walk in space he is also like the first musician who went viral um because he covered he covered a bunch of songs, but he did David Bowie's Space Oddity, mm, okay. and he literally did it in space. He spent 144 days at the International Space Station, recorded 11 songs. The mm. album is out there in the world. It's called Space Sessions Song for a Tin Can, mm. since he was pretty much in a tin can. But I'm going to play this song as, as we head out, because it's just awesome. All right. And... You know, it was up, and then it got pulled because he didn't have the rights to it. And David Bowie himself loved this so much that he fought with his own record company to get it back up on YouTube for people to use. So thank you, David. Um, That's so, kind of
1: sad all around that David Bowie is, can't just say, like, hey, the song's fine, man. It's my song. Yeah, he can, he can play Because the it.
0: record company is like, no, it's actually our song. <laughs>
1: it's like, no, no, no. Uh, we'll we'll like, see whose song it is, my friend.
0: They, he recorded my song in space. That's awesome. So- With that, why don't you plug us up?
1: So if you are looking to, uh, you know, get some musical books in your repertoire, stop on by your local library. we got 37 branches all throughout Erie County. Uh, they'll be able to come in and help you out with all the ones we got and other, you know, the recommendations. And don't forget to visit our website at www.buffalolib.org. See what kind of programs we got going on, and maybe we can help you learn some instruments over here at the uh, Makerspace at the Central Library. You never know.
0: That's true. Stop on into the launch pad. Now, did you know that musicians have shorter lifespans than the general public?
1: I, I kind of guessed
0: <laughs> So one study conducted by a University of Sydney professor, which he titled Stairway to Hell, Life and Death in the Pop Music Industry. But he examined the death of artists, which took place between 1950 and June of 2014. And the study specifically looked at longevity and then the proportion of suicides, homicides and accidental deaths. And the longevity was kind of determined by calculating the average age of death for each musician and, sure. and yada yada. And so the results were that musicians' lifespans are 25 years shorter on average.
1: 25? Yeah, that's a, <laughs> that's not an insignificant amount of time. No, yet. it
0: was totally crazy. Um, did you know in 2016, Mozart sold more CDs than Beyonce. Really? Yes, so in fact, he sold the most CDs in 2016. He beat out Adele, Drake, Beyonce, everyone who had like a Grammy hit that year because-
1: That dude's still raking it after all these years.
0: Yeah, they released a box set
1: uh, commemorating
0: (laughs) (laughs) the 225th anniversary of Mozart's death. And each disc included in the box set counted as one CD sold. And each mm. box set had 200 CDs. Nice. So there you go. It See? flew off shelves. That's so how that's that. how
1: you do math right there, man. That's an easy way to bump your sales. So like yeah. 200 CDs for the price of one.
0: Yes. Did you know that Metallica is the first and only band to have played on all seven continents?
1: No, I didn't know that actually. In
0: 2013, they achieved the Guinness World Book of Records or, yeah, because they were the first musical act to play a concert on all seven continents. Um, they actually were in a transparent dome at the Carlini Station in Antarctica. Nice. That finally sent them over, which I love that. I wonder that what they played. Awesome. They're like,
1: they're Trapped Under Ice. They have to play that song 100%. <laughs>
0: you would think so. Um, just this one I love. Billie Holiday was Billy Crystal's babysitter at one point. Really? Yeah, so Commodore Records produced several of Billie Holiday's songs, and one of the label's owners was Jack Crystal who's Mm -hmm. Billy Crystal's father, so Billy Holiday often visited Crystal's home and would babysit Billy.
1: I wonder if uh, he was boring her with stories about the Yankees like he does to all (laughs) the people in America nowadays.
0: In his one special, 700 Sundays, he recalled that the first time he went to the movies in 1953, it was Billy Holiday who took him.
1: That's pretty cool. That's a (laughs) cool story for him to uh, to go around with these days. Yeah,
0: it's amazing. Um, But yeah, well, thank you so much for listening Go put on your favorite song after this, melt away, and we will catch you next time. Bye.